light of infinite. As a father, I'm in a constant state of doing and listening. If my kids need something, I'll do it, whatever it is, whether I know how to do it yet or not. And I'll listen to their needs so that I can provide in a way that's best for them. When someone asks you for something and you love them unconditionally, a love that does not depend on things. Even if you don't have the time, the answer is yes. I may not have the time right now, but I'll make the time. And if it's something you might not even know how to do, it's I'll find a way. Because this kind of unconditional giving is an expression and a way to demonstrate love and show to yourself and to them that you do anything for them. This is the sort of love we all aspire to have and to give. It's literally the root of the Hebrew word ahava, which root is hav, which means to give, which means love is synonymous with giving. The basis of Jewish faith is action because action is giving of oneself. And it's through the mitzvot, the commandments, and other Jewish rituals that attachment, clarity, unification, and love manifest. This is the love that we look for in partners and often feel as lacking without one. But we forget that all of reality is an opportunity for a nurturing relationship with Hashem, the source of everything. Ava has the same gematria, 13, as the word echad, the Hebrew word for one. In order to reach oneness and love, we have to be in tune, mind, body, soul, and heart with the source, our creator. And when we share our love, connecting it to its source, that's 13 plus 13, which is 26, the numerical value of Hashem's four-letter name, the Tetragrammaton, the Havaya, and the ultimate divine infinite light. Nasev v'nishma, Exodus 24-7, Kol asher diber Hashem, nasev v'nishma. Everything that Hashem has said, we will do and we will listen, obey. As I read this verse, nasev v'nishma, we will do and we will listen in this parasha, I realize it contains Exodus 24-7. It is with those words that we can remind ourselves of our escape from the grips of enslavement and focus on our redemption. Instead of just a once a year thing on Pesach, Passover, we can live in this mindset of Exodus and redemption literally 24-7. It's in this space of Na'asev that we are in an unconditional obedience and enthusiasm to fulfill Hashem's mitzvot, commandments, regardless if we understand them rationally. As it's written in the Talmud, Hashem offered the Torah to Bnei Israel, and instead of asking what is written in there, they replied, Na'asev It may seem odd to agree to do something before fully understanding it, and while we must always understand and learn as much as possible, intellectual knowledge of the divine can't be a precondition of living within the guidelines set forth by Hashem, which this parasha covers. It is the we will do of observing the mitzvot that bring us to an appreciation of them and the unification with the divine that they facilitate. It seems that we are all in various states of divine disconnect. Some might even say spiritually sick. When we attempt to heal our physical selves, it's in much of the same way of doing and then hearing, seeing, understanding. When a doctor prescribes the medication that we need to heal, we take it in good faith. We don't first go to medical school, research every element of it, and only take the medication afterwards. If that were the case, we would remain sick, no doubt getting worse and worse. We take it in faith because it benefits our physical selves, and it isn't contingent on our knowledge of its inner workings. In fact, by taking it, we can start to see clearer, feel better, and get a better understanding of how the medicine helped. It's the same with our spiritual selves. The more we are in the space of Na'asev with the mitzvot, the more elevated our spirit, and by virtue of that, our physical selves will be. On a more mystical level, we learn that as a reward for Bnei Israel's immediate response to Na'asev and display of absolute emunah, faith, and bitachon, trust, Hashem sent 600,000 angels, each carrying two crowns. As Rashi explains, these crowns were from the light of the divine presence. 
one for the we will do and the other for we will hear. And these crowns were placed on the head of each member of B'nai Israel. And as Chazal, our sages teach, God betrothed the Jews with the two crowns of Nasev and Ishma. We learn that later, after the sin of the golden calf, one million and two hundred thousand avenging angels descended and removed the crowns and gave them to Moshe, as it's written, and the children of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments from the Mount Choreb onward. When they made the golden calf, they lost the Naaseh. Moshe said to them, You lost the Naaseh, be certain that you guard the Nishma. Chazal teaches that Hashem will return these crowns to Bnei Israel at the time of the final redemption, as it's written, Those that God will redeem and everlasting joy on their heads. The crowns were given because Naaseh and Nishma and everlasting joy refers to the crowns being returned to the future and forever. From this, Rabbi Nachman infers that joy itself corresponds to Naaseh and Nishma, that we will do and we will listen are synonymous with joy corresponding to the Pasuk, the verse, and everlasting joy on their heads. Breaking down the concept of Naaseh and Nishma, we will do and we will listen, is key to understanding how to tap into the light of the infinite. We will do corresponds to the reveal, the mitzvot, and the levels that each can perform commensurate with the level and state that each person is in at the time. Whereas we will hear corresponds to the hidden, the concepts and elements that are elevated and more concealed from us. It would be impossible to serve Hashem with only we will hear. So those two parts correspond to the Torah and the tefillah, prayer. We will do is synonymous with Torah, the revealed elements that we know how to fulfill. We will hear corresponds to tefillah, prayer. As we learn in the Zohar, hearing is dependent upon the heart. As it's written, give your servant a hearing heart. Nishma is hearing. Lishmoa, as in nishma, depends upon the heart. King Solomon prayed for a heart that would judge properly when he prayed. Give to the one that wants to serve you a heart that will attain the exalted level of nishma. The Talmud teaches that the service of the heart is tefillah, which corresponds to the practice of bitul, negating of the self, and dveikut, cleaving to the infinite one. The hiddenness of this aspect is because we can't grasp the concept of the infinite one. And so there's no intellectual action or practice that can reveal the hidden. Only negation of self towards the light of the infinite, which unifies each of us with the light. So Rabbi Nachman connects nishma to a deeper understanding, to the heart, and to the heart of tefillah. Through the service of the heart and tefillah, we are able to experience the highest exalted levels of spiritual perception. Beyond the level of naaseh, a person has reached, there are infinite levels of nishma that are far beyond one's ability to understand. In Nehemiah it's written, For the delight in God is your boldness. The Lubavitcher Rebbe teaches that holy boldness is achieved through joy, meaning through the concept of naaseh nishma. The Rebbe goes on to explain naaseh nishma is not a static commitment to fulfill what we already know, but an ongoing commitment to pursue knowledge and observance of the Torah. This is the reason for the order of we will do and we will hear. Otherwise, we would have said we will hear first so that we could hear the instructions before carrying them out. But it is ordered exactly as it should be for us to have this dynamic relationship that we have with the Torah and Hashem. When we say we will do, that refers to what we already know. That we will hear is an openness and our eagerness to that which we will be introduced to, but don't yet know how to do. We will continuously be introduced to new levels, new concepts, and new spiritual heights through tefillah, through prayer, which is a form of dveikut, of clinging to Hashem. Before the famous pasuk, in chapter 24, verse 7, we read verse 3, All the words that Hashem has spoken, we will do. The distinction between these two responses reflect the progression in their thinking. Originally, they respond with only we will do, reflecting their desire to immediately ascend to Olam Abba, the next world. 
This parallels the verse in Pirkei Avot, better one hour of spiritual bliss in the world to come than an entire life in this world. However, the Khatam Sofer teaches, after building the 12 pillars and offering sacrifices on the altar, Bnei Yisrael were inspired to the challenge of living an ideal life in this world and merit the world to come from it. And we see in Pirkei Avot that there is another verse that parallels this that reads, better one hour of repentance and good deeds in this world than all of the world to come. By aspiring toward this new goal, they accept not only Naseh, that they will perform the mitzvot as an end in itself, but rather Naseh in order to nishma, meaning they would perform the mitzvot in order to understand the divine will, in order to reach these goals of constant spiritual growth towards a unification with the divine presence, a long fulfilling life is required, that we will do corresponds to the world to come. We will do and we will hear, or as we read around Matan Torah recorded in Devarim, we shall hear and we will do. We are aspiring to an even loftier desire to consecrate this world. A few psukim verses later, we read that Hashem says to Moshe, come up to the mountain and be there. Rabbi Shlomo Karlbach points out that most of the time we are not where we are. We are somewhere else. Even with Moshe Rabbeinu, even on his level, being invited to come to the mountain for 40 days, even in that instance, Hashem feels the need to say, sham, to make sure that he is spiritually present while being physically present. The lesson is that when we are in this space of knowing how much we don't know, when we are in a state of betul self-nullification, not in a space of thinking we know this and we know that, but that we really don't know anything, in the space of nishma, that is the space of being present, of being deeper in the space spiritually just as much as physically. That's where growth happens. The Ishbitzer Rebbe asks, what's the purest thing in this world? And answers his own question saying, life itself. There's nothing holier, purer, deeper that flows from Hashem than life itself. The question that each of us must answer is how much life do we receive and what are we doing with it? So when Hashem is saying to Moshe to be truly there, it really means you have to go through life and be present for life to go through you. And so to be truly there is to be truly alive, to be fully present, to be in the space of Nishma. Rabbi Shlomo reminds us that we are not really living yet. We are only half alive. How could it be that one minute we are good and one minute we are bad? One minute we are holy and the next we are unholy. One minute we love and one minute we hate. He explains that we never have a place of our own and stand firmly in place. We jump around from one place to the other, not gaining anything from the experience. Hashem is telling Moshe and us, we have to reach the level on which life itself can flow purely through us. Hashem is telling Moshe and us, we have to reach the level in which life itself can flow purely into us. The Lubavitcher Rebbe teaches that the difference between an act which is reasonable and one that is a mitzvah is that the mitzvah means connection, to link between us and Hashem, finite and infinite. When we read of Hashem's statutes, the Torah writes, He shall live by them. If we bring the whole of each of our lives, action, emotion, and reason, and inwardness into the performance of the mitzvah, because it was given at Sinai, we create Sinai, the meeting of each of us and Hashem. Rab Natan teaches that whenever a person performs a mitzvah with joy, it's as if he's saying, One is happy to do a mitzvah, the person in a state of being willing to hear more. He explains that doing refers to what a person is able to do, while hearing refers to what a person aspires to do. We must do what we aspire to, as there is no time like the present to pursue spiritual connection. Each of us is bestowed with free will, which is a powerful gift, but one that comes with great responsibility. If we break apart that word response, ability is actually our God-given ability to respond wisely to any situation that arises in our lives. 
It is this ability to respond which constitutes our free will within the divine design of life. We all have a purpose and our relatively short time in this world is all we have to live up to that purpose. As we see, Hashem can help us elevate and reach the highest spiritual height when we draw close through the mitzvot and the tefillah. However, by virtue of free will, if we choose the opposite to indulge, to indulge the physical heights or even evil and destruction, Hashem's infinite mercy won't hold us back from doing so. Our time in this world is just long enough to fulfill our purpose. Every moment in this life is a moment that we won't have back, so it should not be wasted. If we aren't utilizing our physical selves to elevate our spiritual selves and thereby inspire more awareness of divine presence, we are not truly living. The mitzvot are the prescription. The positive action is the medicine, and if we don't use it, we can't transcend. So when we read and dive deeper into what it means when we say, we will do when we will hear, we see that both are needed to be fully connected. We can be present, we can do, but the second our ego gets in and we are no longer tapped into the we will hear, we go from the potential of infinity to being constricted into finitude. It's only in the nishma we will hear, the space of being present, the space of tefillah, the space of bitul and devekut, that we become infinite, fully connected to the infinite one. Dive in deeper at lightofinfinite.com.